Welcome to Hero in Disguise. I'm your host, Neil Water. Charlotte Country Day celebrates Black History Month, but more than that, we celebrate diversity every day. Our school is actually home to one man who played an historic role in integrating schools in Wake County back in 1966. Officer James will join me in just a moment to tell us his story as he recognizes Hero in Disguise. And I always used this quote, Martin Luther King used it. The reason men hate each other, they fear each other. The reason they fear each other, they don't know each other. The reason they don't know each other, they fail to communicate. You're listening to Here in Disguise, a production of the podcast journalism class with Kick at Charlotte Country Day School. I'm your host, Nia Woodard. I'm here to talk with a hero who works behind the scenes here at Country Day. You may walk past him a couple times on campus, but I guarantee you don't know his story. Until now. This is Officer B.E. James, and he'll be talking about how he made history by being the first black male to integrate Southern Wake County schools. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Can you describe what you were like as a young student, as a teenager? You talk about the time I integrated to schools. Yeah. I was about 14 um, when we were segregated, and mm-hmm. the teachers asked us if anyone wanted to transfer over to the what we call back then was the white school. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody raised their hands. And I was curious. That, that That's all it was. I was curious. Um, and the way I got to do that, my mom, you know, like I said, coming from a poor family, you know, she didn't know. Uh, she didn't know that much. I just forced her name, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, decided I'd go and just test the waters. And it was some rough waters. Really? So what was it like growing up in a time like that? Well, at that time, you know, when you're a kid, 13, 14, 15 years old, you're, you're full of energy. Mm-hmm. And... You didn't think about anything like that. During that time, you had all the riots. Uh, if you remember Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, when he was going to Selma, Alabama. Uh, you come home that afternoon to see all the riots and all that. And growing up in a stage like that in that era, he, he really said, hey, what, you know, you didn't know what was going on. So, I, like I said, I just wanted to go over and see what it was all about. And was it hard to make friends? Oh, yes. Um, just to start out, the first day of school, um, I lived about two miles from the school, but we rode a school bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, first day, I stood out, and the bus passed right by me. Oh. So um, I walked on to the school, went to school and told them who I was and all that. And um, they got me all set up, just, yeah, you're supposed to be here. Went to a classroom. Um, by the way, the probably about a month or two later, the male teacher that I had quit. And I'm sh- sure it was because he wasn't for integration. I'm sure that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was sort of bullied to a certain extent, but let me go back to the main reason. You work. I worked in tobacco. Tobacco uh, is very prominent up in the Wake County area. You mm-hmm. work in the fields with them. You had like, there was nothing going on. You know, like, you didn't think about race at that time. You would think about working and, you know, we'd go fishing together you'd, and you didn't, we didn't think about color. Um, mm-hmm. at, you know, as far as separation and all that. We didn't have phones. we meet at the fishing hole and just talk and, you know, this was people of all colors. But the I guess the biggest thing was when I went to the school and it changed. The people mm-hmm. that um, I worked with in the tobacco field or different other little places, they were different people. 
Mm. Okay. They changed on me. They called me the N-word so much. I didn't, I was almost beginning to think my middle name was N-word. <laughs> uh, what they would do in PE was have walkie talkies and want to be on one side of the bleacher when we're in PE, want to be on the other side. Guess who I'm sitting up here with? You know, the name that they would call, you know, and I, I was sort of in shock because it didn't dawn on me that that would be, I'd be treated that rough. Um, I had one problem with the football player and, um, but there is a God. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, pinned me to the bus seat one day and scared me to death. I mean, almost scared me to death, I'd say that. Um, and I had older brothers, and I, I didn't tell them about it. And when I was going to, you know, it, as far as revenge, I was going to get him. <laughs> there is a God, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into the process of what I was going to do. But mm-hmm. I think uh, God dumbed me down, and he dumped him down. And when I say that, I say this. He didn't bother me anymore afterwards. Um, and I went on with my grades. I went from A's and B's at my regular uh, integrated school to C's and D's um, because of the trauma that I was going through. But it didn't last that long. But being a strong person that I am, um, I sufficed it and went got through it. I graduated from the school. When we finally integrated to school, we I was one of the first ones to um, not only go to the to integrate the schools, but after we everybody consolidated to the um, regular high school, I was one of the ones that gave the uh, on the committee to give the school their name, and it was called the Fuquay Bengal Tigers. Uh, it was orange, black, and white, and one of the reasons we did because we had black and white, then we had the mm-hmm. orange, and we had to come up with a mascot, so we had the Bengal Tigers. We were maroon and gold in the segregated schools, and they were green and white, which were the Falcons in the um, uh, you know, non-integrated uh, schools. So we just combined our, you know, what we did, we just said, hey, let's go with the Fuquay Bengal Tigers, and mm-hmm. um, that was it. And 50 years later, mind you, having no idea I was going to be um, contacted. Just so happened my brother's preacher that his church was the area superintendent, and he was looking at everybody for everybody to integrate the schools. And mm-hmm. they found me, and they gave me a medallion for a uh, Wake County Trailblazer after 50 years. And um, it's not that I don't regret going there, but it was a challenge. And mm-hmm. one of the things coming up as being a, a police officer, I was blessed to be in the schools for 16 years, the public schools. I've been in the country day for 17 years after I retired. Um, when I see a kid that's being bullied, I know how he feels. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's why I jump right on him and all that. So that is basically my life story. I have, you know, there's some, some things I left out that um, could have been a little bit, it's a little worse. And, you know, not that they didn't, the only thing that, that I really want to add on that they, I, I used to get shot with rubber bands and, you know, and then you look back at the back of the bus. Everybody looked in us. You know, I was probably about middle ways and all that, but I, um, it, it was a challenge. But I uh, succumbed that and um, surpassed that basically. And um, here I am today. Okay. Let me just say, you are such an inspiration. Um, but was there any time you regretted it and wanted to go back to well, your at old school? At that time when I was there doing the, the bullying, not, and I don't know what it was, it's just intimidation. I can't say it was bullying. It was mm-hmm. intem- that was the time when I did. Yes, I regretted it. But um, as time went on, um, especially the next year, and I, you know, I almost didn't make it that first year. I mean, I was a fraction of not even making it. I almost quit school mm-hmm. because of that. Um, and that was just during that time. And then I had a um, a black uh, African American principal, old principal that I had. He encouraged me to stay on, and I did. And 
And so I just went that two years and then I came back to the regular school. Then we went integrated the following year. So I should have stayed on over there. But um, I never thought that I'd have to come, you know, have to repeat this. I, I, there's a lot of memories that I have, but I never thought that I would, uh, it would come back up again. Didn't even think about being the first. Yeah. And were you the only student who switched over? I was the only male. Uh, there was three other females. And since then, we uh, the church that um, my hometown he rec- they recognized us, and um, I was the only male, and three other females, and one female has passed on um, since then. Do you think you were able to change how certain students viewed black people as a whole? Doing then it was yes, and I don't think it was these students. And I will say this: it it was the parents being from old school, and I think you know the the change was. When they when we finally in, integrated, I think that changed them some, but it's not going to ever change all the way. But mm-hmm. it changed. I think we were we were inspirational in, in getting some change and making sure people knew about each other. And I always use this quote: Martin Luther King used it. The reason men hate each other, they fear each other. The reason mm-hmm. they fear each other, they don't know each other. The reason they don't know each other, they fail to communicate. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I've used ever since I've um, heard him say that. And it helped me out a lot um, in college, uh, high school, college, and even on the police department. You, uh, and I even worked in, in high school. I worked for one of the most hatefulest uh, races per people in that town. I didn't know this until my principal told me. I got a chance to win him over because I communicated with him. Mm-hmm. So I used this throughout. And in, in the police department, uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg, um, we um, run up on a lot of people. There's a lot of people's calls we've been on in this area here. They want you to pull your police car around back so the neighbors mm-hmm. wouldn't see you. But you got to talk to them, and then that way they say, oh, okay. Uh, you know. And sometimes you, we had the old slogan um, back in the day for the police officers, especially during the 60s and 70s. Um, some of the people say, I'm too black for the uniform, too blue for the brothers. Mm-hmm. People didn't want you because you were black on the, on the police department. Um, and people didn't want you because... Um, you had a uniform, and some of the blacks in the neighborhood didn't like it because you were a police officer. So we caught it both ways. Mm-hmm. So you have to use what I call common sense. And that's what helped me out a lot uh, as far as being on the police department, and it's got me through my career. What, Looking back, and you can see your impact here in North Carolina, what do you notice about the black students you see now at this school? Well, it's a whole different generation. I was I think about that all the time. And it is a real, I mean, back when I was coming up, say, 16, this mm-hmm. was after we uh, um, got our driver's license and all that. And back in the day, the change, 16-year-olds could drive a school bus. Really? Yes. I drove a school bus for three years, and it was a straight drive. I learned that from working on the farm. Uh, the change now that I've seen that you see a 16-year-old now, they have stickers on the car. That's still a driver. Yeah. I was driving ever since I was 12, 11 or 12, because I drove the farm tractor. But um, we had, um, not saying we were that smart, but we had more common sense. We were, if you, when you made 10th grade or 11th grade, you were basically an adult. That's the way we looked at it in school. I used to drive the principal's car to the, fill it up with gas. I used to drive the teacher's car. They let me leave school and fill the car up with gas. They trusted me. Now you can't trust a kid. That's, when I worked <laughs> in public schools, to go to their car and back. And I've seen that happen when I was a school resource officer in the public schools. So, yeah, this is a big change, and it's a whole new generation. Um, and I think what that comes from uh, is nobody wants their kid to grow up, and, and I didn't want mine to grow up and have it as hard as I did. 
Um, mm-hmm. Single parent home. Um, I did look up to my brother as a father. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to have somebody to look up to. So mm-hmm. you got to look at um, when my kids were coming up, I don't want my kid to have it rough. I want to have one meal a day at times, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes I didn't have it until I came home that afternoon because the bus would come so early. So it's a whole different generation. I learned to be stronger. But now uh, you got kids now they got brand new cars, at, uh, <laughs> 17, 18 years old. Uh, my first brand new car was 1983. You know, I was grown. I was on the police <laughs> department. So, uh, but I had uh, cars that got me back and forth. Uh, when I uh, And let me go back to the childhood days. Mm-hmm. Out of nine in my family, only two of us finished high school. I was the only one in my family to go to college. Really? Okay, yes. So, I mean, and I tell people, don't feel sorry for me because I know how it was um, when I was coming up. And it, it was just that. I, w- I worked hard. You got to have, you know, you got to have it in you, inside you. Um, don't let nobody tell you any difference. And some older people told me, people of color, any, whites and all that told me, one thing somebody can't take away from you is education. That's the only thing they can't mm-hmm. take away from you. And all that stuff I remembered and I, and it, I survived. I used to wash cars when I was um, at the service station when I was a kid in, in high school. Pull them out of the wash pit, they'd freeze up. The other guys being this still warm and, you know, keep them warm. I was mm-hmm. so mad to myself <laughs> at college. Uh, mm-hmm. I was having to work. I worked at UPS from 1030 at night to 2 in the morning. Everybody partying and all that, uh, getting drunk. I come home that night at 3 o'clock. They all over the place um, drunk and all that. You know. <laughs> Just, I mean, but the moral mm-hmm. to this story, after graduation, back in the 70s, if somebody my age that can remember that, there were no jobs available. I had five waiting for me wow. when I graduated. Um, I did my intern, WSOC, Channel 9. They wanted mm-hmm. to hire me. I worked at Winn-Dixie stores. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. There was a grocery store that used to be here. Um, and then I worked for Radio Shack. And um, then I did UPS. And I had mm-hmm. a chance to come on the police department, which I didn't come on to 82. So you got to have it in you to uh, work, to be you know, successful. I'm not saying I was successful, but I did better than the most. Yeah. Um, and when I was, I graduated the on a Sunday, I took a Radio Shack store over that Monday. That's how anxious I was. And the one reason I waited so late to come on the police department, because back in that day, you were young. You, you, when I say young, you want to do your party and you want to get go out at night and all that. You know how yeah. people go out at night and have a good time. So I, I waited till then to um, come on the police department because I would have had the police car probably at the mm-hmm. nightclub. I turned 30 in the police academy. Mm-hmm. And at this age, and I guess people don't realize, I'm 72 years old. Really? Yes. Um, wow. And, you know, I feel young. But back when, when I was your age, that's an old man right there. That's <laughs> a, I don't feel that, that age. The, some of the philosophies I use is from what I learned from different people. George Bush said one time, whatever age you are is the age to be. <laughs> okay? So I use I use people's um, wisdom to to. And, um, I guess entice myself, and mm-hmm. that's what got me through this. Never been in a knockdown, dragdown fight with the police department. I talk a good fight, um, and just to, I don't know whether I need to use this or not. But there was people sometimes when there were drunks that called me, that called the police department, and I be get the call. We have to take them to a detox place. Well, the guy said, you know, he was going through DTS, and that's where you hallucinate. He said, "Officer, mm-hmm. I'm not getting that in that car. There's snakes in there." I'd, mm. Okay, I'd open the door, throw the snakes out, he'd get right in. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had one recently. I worked at Apple part-time. 
Uh-huh. Um, Charlotte Douglas Airport. That's how I keep my certification. This this is just a few of the things that uh, I learned along the way uh, from older people. Use that wisdom and all that. You you don't talk down. You know, uh, the only time I look down on a person is when I'm helping them up. Okay. All right. Now I had a lady, and she was with her husband mm-hmm. uh, that would not get off a plane, and I made it talk to her. They would talk to her for about thirty minutes. So I told medic to step back. I told everybody to step back out of the way. And I used one of my, can I say BS tactics? <laughs> okay. Well, I use one of my tactics that, you know, you got to, you know, tell them something that they don't want to hear. I got on the plane. When I got on the plane, I sat down just like you and I here right mm-hmm. now. I said, ma'am, I have claustrophobia. <laughs> I don't want my buddies to see me when I, um, you know, when I start sweating and all that. It's embarrassing. <sighs> can you please get off the plane? She got up and got off. I mean, that's some of the tactics you got to use. You got to use a different. It don't work all the time, but it works most of the time. And you got to tell them anytime you deal with people, you got to read them. You got to let them know that, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what you do. Um, you crowd a person, they can't breathe, and it's called anxiety. And you back off and let them breathe. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I've used. Like I said, never been in a knockdown, dragdown fight. As a school resource officer, I have kids now that have kids. They come to me now thanking me for what I did. I don't know what I did, but I was a fatherly figure to him, I think. Um, you know the athletic director here? Mr. Yeah. Taguchi? Yeah. I was his school resource officer. Really? Yes. I was. He was in my boys club in the seventh grade. Wow. I have the yearbook in the office. I can show you. I'm in there. You can take a picture of me mm-hmm. uh, in the yearbook and him in the yearbook and compare 30 years ago compared to today. Yes, I will do that. Yes. Thank you so much for um, what you've done, um, for working for our school and making sure we're all safe. And thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. And I'm around all the time. I just, I don't intermingle that much, but if y'all have problems or questions, anything, I'm observing. I'll see you when you don't see me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And I hope I didn't talk too much or waste too much of your time. No, it was great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to Here in Disguise, a production of the podcast journalism class with Kick at Charlotte Country Day School. I'm your host, Neil Wood. I'd like to thank Officer James for taking the time to share his story with us during Black History Month. We're thankful for your service here at Charlotte Country Day and your bravery during the integration of public schools here in North Carolina. Make sure you say hello to this kind man whenever you see him around Charlotte Country Day.